Welcome to Pints in Politics. Politics is a podcast posted at pintsandpolitics.ptpopodcasters.ca. This is episode number 120. You can also listen or subscribe by searching for Pints and Politics on iTunes, Stitcher, and on my Substack site. We are also an occasional panel discussion program on Trent Radio, CFFF in Peterborough, Ontario, 92.7 FM. On Pints and Politics, we usually explore all things political with a focus on life in Peterborough, in Ontario and Canada. This episode was recorded on April 23rd, 2023. Today, our focus will be on support for the arts in Peterborough. So why should governments, or should governments at all levels, support the arts? Now, true, audiences spend money, they pay for tickets, buy meals, and for some time, sometimes pay for accommodation. The arts generate a surprising volume of revenue for our town. According to Hill Strategies Research, Canadian performing arts organizations generate $2.70 for every $1 of government investment. Of course, there are other reasons for governments to support the arts. In preparation for this discussion, I asked chat GPT, This question, why should governments subsidize the arts in Peterborough? And this is what Chat's reply was. As an AI language model, I do not have personal beliefs or opinion. However, there may be some arguments for why governments at all level might choose to subsidize the arts in Peterborough. And then it lists five points. Economic benefits. Uh, I won't read out each little sentence that it spat out, but economic benefits, social benefits, educational benefits, cultural benefits, and positive impact on mental health. Then it says, overall, funding and supporting the arts in Peterborough can provide a range of benefits for the community, which may justify government support. Now, I'm not about to start squabbling with ChatGPT, but if I assume that all this AI response is more or less correct, then why, from a business standpoint, doesn't the city increase its investment in the arts? Instead, arts funding seems to be, at least for some organizations, shrinking. How come? Now, one of Peterborough's local gems, the Theatre on King, or TTOK for short, uh, had this year's grant from the city slashed to zero. I should add that since uh, this grant denial was announced by the city, the Theatre on King has launched a very successful fundraising campaign that will keep the doors open at least for the next 12 months. But dashing from crisis to crisis is not an effective way to build any arts organization. In the long run, stability is a more valuable friend to the arts community than constant uncertainty and panic. This small downtown theater has a record of brilliant productions that have employed dozens of local performers, artists, dancers, and musicians over its 10-year history. TTOK has grown to become a cornerstone of the local theater community. For example, one of its plays, Unexploded Ordnance, a haunting drama about World War I by uh, playwright Ryan Kerr, did an extensive tour of local high schools. Many local actors get their first onstage exposure at TTOK. Think of TTOK as a successful farm team for larger theater companies. Now, hopefully, next year, City Council will reinstate their grant for the Theatre and King to its uh, 2022 level of 15000 But this funding issue with TTOK raises much larger questions about government supports for all the arts in general in Peterborough. So joining me for this online discussion are Sue Ditta, Bill Kimball, and Kate Story. Now, Sue Ditta is currently the Executive Director of Electric City Culture Council, or EC3. Sue is an award-winning curator and distinguished leader in the Canadian art world. Sue has worked at all levels of government with organizations all across the country, including the National Gallery of Canada, Canada Council, and the Banff Centre for the Arts, in a broad cross-section of artistic disciplines, practices, and organization models. Now, Bill Kimball is the executive director of Public Energy Performing Arts, which he founded in 1994. Bill has been involved in, the developing, in developing local arts venues since 1980, including the uh, conversion of the Market Hall into an arts center in 1984 and its subsequent upgrades in 2011. 
Bill has sat on numerous arts boards and city arts committees, including Community Grants Committee and the Arts, Culture, and Heritage Advisory Committee. Kate's story is an author and theater professional. Kate has written seven books, her most recent book, Furry Back the Gifts, is her first collection of short stories, and it was published this year. In 2021, uh, her young adult novel, Urchin, was a 2022 Governor's General uh, Award finalist, and her short fiction has been has made the CBC Literary Awards shortlist. So thanks to all of you for taking part in this discussion today. So here's my first question. Now, because this discussion may be heard by listeners who don't live in Peterborough and might not be familiar with the recent upheavals uh, in funding at the Theatre on King, could we please have a brief, brief synopsis of this debacle and its, its so far successful resolution? Hi, it's Kate here. I'll just speak briefly to that. I'm the Artistic Administrator at the Theatre on King. So for Theatre and King's been around for 10 years. We have not always applied for city funding, but we, we have for, I think, the last eight years, and we've always gotten something. The thing about arts funding in Peterborough for organizations is that we go into most, well, there's some different levels, but many of us are in this uh, pool of community grants, and it's shared with sports, uh, you know, recreation, heritage, and um, social services. So that's a model that that's actually a bit, old. It was actually established in the 1950s. Quite a few municipalities across Canada um, and, and other parts of the world even um, do have arts and culture uh, funding separated out from general community pools. So I have to say the Theatre on King, because we're a little bit on the experimental side, we've always felt it was a bit of a square peg round hole situation applying to the city. We were really glad to receive top funding, you know, the, the maximum, which was 15,000 last year. And the year before we got 13,500. So we thought we were on track and that somebody was sort of overviewing the grants and uh, finding us and our activities worthy. Um, it was especially welcome during the pandemic, of course. And to be cut, you know, from, from the top amount to zero uh, in one fell swoop with no explanation uh, was confusing and I think is a symptom of the fact that arts and culture funding is not separated out from the other grants. So you have a committee of citizens looking at these things, many of whom may have no real idea about the arts, may not know much about the history of the community granting program in Peterborough, and made some of them articulated that they were under the impression it was for projects only, not for operating funding, even though that is one of the, on the drop-down menu, they say, is this operating or project? Those are the two uh, choices. So there wasn't a real understanding of the context, I don't think, on that committee. So that would be the short version. I won't get into the sort of emotional toll it took on me and, and Ryan Kerr, who's the artistic director of the mm. I'll leave that to the listener's imagination. Just to pride. <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay. Well, thanks so much, Kate. Now, I may be afraid to challenge chat GPT, but what do the rest of you think of its answer? And I can read out some of the sentences that go with the the five categories it it listed. Well, example. I mean, I'll just jump in. I mean, there's nothing wrong with what ChatGPT said, but I think if you asked it, why should the arts not be funded by the community? It would also probably be able to find things online that tell you why you shouldn't fund the arts. <laughs> true, true. Yeah. <laughs> Sue yeah. Gitta here from EC3. I think if you want to find the best I've ever seen in terms of arguments for the arts, go to on to Google and Google Americans for the arts. Mm. They have a fantastic chart. It's a wheel, a spinning wheel divided into different pie shaped um, segments. And as you click into each segment, economic spinoffs, mental health supports, creativity, innovation. It takes you deeper and deeper into discussion um, and facts and evidence about why different levels of government use taxpayers' dollars to support the arts. It's it's excellent. I think all the ones that your, your chat bot uh, gave you are fine. What's missing are the more compelling ones that are always so hard to explain because you can't qu- quantify them. You can only speak to anthropologists and cultural theorists and look back over time at how peoples throughout the eons have turned to art for spiritual 
development, to record their history, to connect themselves to their history, to help them understand what's going on in their world at a certain time. And I don't think as a city we can underestimate the incredible role that the arts plays and the power that those things have in terms of bringing us together as a community, of helping us be more innovative, of getting us to think about different ways we can see our world and get to the place we want to be in this city. Thanks, Sue. Now, what is the history of arts funding in Peterborough? Are, are we at a, a high point right now or are we at a, a low point? Uh, is our, I mean, I, it seems arts funding is in decline. Uh, why is that? Oh, maybe I'll say something now. I mean, I, you're saying in decline. That's not quite accurate. Um, oh, no, no, please correct me. <laughs> um, no, I mean, the the pot of money in that community grants fund actually has stayed very steady, but it hasn't kept up with inflation. So one might argue for a, a decline in that community grants pot. But we made a few strides over the last few years in in getting the city to to do some support for the arts, including an individual artists program grant grant program. Up to now, it's only been a program for organizations, which is the one that has has caused us such a such a problem. But the last council did, you know, make a few few uh, positive strides. Uh, the individual grants program of fifty thousand dollars, and they also supported the um, EC3's emergency fund, emergency COVID fund, uh, with forty thousand dollar contribution. I guess it was. Sue. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, and right. and they've been funding the Electric City Culture Council, which had no funding. I guess ten years ago or so, yeah. um, and is now a, a real, a, a real important bu- budget line. And the Electric City Culture Council, in turn, generates new funds for the arts, uh, mostly through private sector by by raising money for the private sector to to find ways of contributing. Okay, so we're with with that track record. We think we're on an upward. Okay, we're trying to build on things, and then when we get hit by the current council with their new ideas on arts funding that's that's the that's the problem is is we have a new council that is not keen on this sort of thing bill as as you were talking it just occurred to me i mean it's a small thing in terms of a budget line but peterborough the last council at least peterborough now has a poet laureate Right. You know, which, yep. that's one individual, but still, I mean, this is just. Yep. Uh, the city continues to fund Arts Week, so that's a legacy project sure. and its 100th anniversary in 2005. So every yeah. other year we have $50,000. Almost all of that money goes to artist fees. But I right. think what the, the other piece of what Bill is saying is twofold. One, it's really tough to track the money. We try, but it's very difficult to track it. It's complicated. It moves around. People get bumped up into service grants, which is a whole other topic of discussion. But I think the crisis that TTOK faced and what the community is talking about is not so much the amount of money available, but how that money is being dispersed. So when community investment grants were brought into the city by Commissioner Ken Daugherty, in that time period, we went with a multidisciplinary program. We went with a program that has the three different buckets that we talked about, arts, recreation, social services, environment is in there somewhere too, sports. And also we used a community-based assessment process, which was brought into place by Mayor Sylvia Sutherland because she wanted to move assessment away from staff, create a bit of an arm's length there. But over the years, the arts community has grown much more sophisticated. The number of organizations applying has continued to increase, so it's much more competitive And we're way beyond the time when we should be using an ad hoc committee with no carryover from year to year and no guarantee that anyone on the committee has any knowledge of what's an excellent arts program or what constitutes excellence in arts management, audience engagement, education, None of the key criteria that other levels of government and most municipalities bring to bear. Most other places, that's done by what in our field we call 
a peer assessment committee. Right. So that's peers in the sense of bringing people, it could be artists, arts administrators, educators, managers, who really understand the ins and outs of running an arts organization and have a clear focus and insight on when it's going well and when it's not, and who have the capacity because of their connections in the broader arts world and the broader community to be able to compare one organization to another and make an informed decision on what a grant level should be. Really, the crux of the matter, I think, in sure. case. Sue, as you were going through that, the thought occurred to me, uh, and let's keep it to Ontario, but what, could Peterborough learn something from other towns like um, Kingston, like Stratford, uh, I mean, uh, to pick an easy, uh, an easy plum. Is there something, has anyone else got it right in terms of municipal support? Well, for the sure. Arts? I mean, the Toronto Arts Council is a very well-established arts council that follows all the same principles that the Canada Council or the Ontario Arts Council does. The Kingston Arts Council does the same the London Arts Council, the City of London. So in those cities, funding for operating and small project grants is designated to the Arms Length Arts Council. They design and develop the program and they deliver it through peer assessment. So these are processes that are long established at the federal level, at the Canada Council for the Arts and at most provincial arts councils across the country. And they're really well researched and audited all the time so that the public, the taxpayer, the citizens, as well as staff and elected politicians can have confidence that this is a best practice, gold standard. This is a way that may not be perfect, but is so far the very best way anybody's been able to think of to disseminate public money in a way that's fair that's democratic, that's transparent, and very importantly, that gets the biggest bang for the buck that is spent on it. We want to be using systems that protect the investment that has been made year over year. And that's something that this this decision about the Theatre on King, uh, you know, aside from my personal feelings about it, you know, really basically threw into the toilet all the, the, the past years of investment, not only by the city, but also by uh, private donors and and all the yeah. others who count on it. I want to say too that I, although you know I work at the theater on King, I really identify more as an individual artist. And one thing that we just got here in Peterborough, due to the efforts of EC3, are the grants for individual artists program that Bill mentioned. And that is so, so important. And mm-hmm. we had to fight for it to be reinstated. So we were coming out of always a sense of crisis in Peterborough. And I think that's what distinguishes our community in some <laughs> ways from some of these other communities, that the arts and culture community were over and over again thrown into crisis. And we, oh, we got, now we have to write all these letters and we have to advocate. And we had just come out of that. And there were members of council who kept referring to the fact that that grant for individual artist program had been reinstated as a reason to want to cut the theater on King. They would link those two things. Well, the arts are getting too much money, they kept saying. And this is something that is so disturbing. And that's one of the reasons we really would like to see arts and culture funding in Peterborough moved away from this, this general pool of community granting. The system is, is overdue for an overhaul. That's for sure. Kate, you, you bring up a scenario that's been rumbling around in my mind. Suppose uh, I owned a small business in town and I asked you to justify why my tax dollars should go to artists and their theater companies, their galleries and their uh, performance groups. In other words, what is the local business case? for subsidizing the arts here in Peterborough. Yeah, there's so many arguments. Well, I I had a really interesting conversation with um, Councillor Hakey on on Friday at the budget consultations, and we were sort of reviewing some of those arguments. I think, Bill, you originally asked us, what would you say to a small business that was located in downtown Peterborough about subsidizing the arts and and how that, you know, compared to their situation? And I say congratulations to them on being smart enough to locate in downtown Peterborough in a city that does subsidize the arts and where arts organizations are 
strong, they get good ones, get sustained funding, because that means you've got a great economic generator going on in your downtown, because those arts organizations spend their budgets at your businesses. They buy your office supplies. They get their equipment repaired there, all different kinds of things. The people they employ tend to live in the downtown and spend their disposable income there. They draw people downtown. And, you know, Sylvia Sutherland, our former mayor, has a famous saying from the very first arts vote, Peterborough, where she said, you know, before the city invested in arts organizations, you could shoot a cannonball down George Street on a Friday night and it would roll unimpeded by people or cars to Little Lake and fall in. (laughs) And now on a Friday night, think about First Friday, think about Place, think about Market Hall, think about Public Energy, think about TTOK, Art Space. They all have things going on. And the downtown is thriving on a Friday night. That's a huge economic generator. Cities that invest in their arts, you know, are creating enormous benefit for the small businesses there. Similar to what happens when they invest in the DBIA, the innovation cluster, uh, the feds invest in community futures, the city invests in Peterborough Fourth Economic and Peterborough Economic Development Council. So they small businesses also receive a lot of subsidies. Mm -hmm. The only other thing I would say is if you can open up a new piece of your business, a a new venue in Guelph, because the federal government is going to pump $13 billion into the Volkswagen plant there over the next 10 years. Oh, yeah. So all businesses at all levels receive public subsidies from tax dollars When the arts do it, the generated benefit is one of the highest. It's one of the three highest, followed by, I believe, the forestry industry and petroleum and oil. Keep that in mind. Every dollar spent on the arts generates more business and more dollars where it's invested. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this this idea that that the arts are just the only ones taking handouts from government is is just ridiculous. That, That has to that impression has to stop. Um, there, there's a stat I read that I think illuminates some of that uh, by the Urban Institute. And they said that 96% of re- respondents said they value the arts, but only 27% said that they value artists. And they, Interesting. Yeah. yeah, it is interesting. And I, I encounter this, you know, my whole life. I, I mean, I've basically been working in the arts my whole life. She says, cue muffled sobs. But <laughs> people really are suspicious of you in North America. You know, it's different in Europe. I've certainly found in Europe or, uh, well, yeah, quite a few other cultures, they're actually excited. Latin America, they're quite excited when they hear you're an artist. They think, oh, that's nifty. They want to know what you're doing. And here there's this, this look of dismay. And then of course the impertinent questions like, well, you, you know, are you still doing that? And you, I, I literally, I mean, my writer friends, we always, the quotes like, you can't be a very good writer. I've never heard of you. Stuff like that. <laughs> I mean, verbatim. I mean, you know, honest as an artist in North America, certainly I will say, you know, our experience across the board is that people aren't generally very happy to hear you're an artist and they don't respect you. They, they you know, they're suspicious. They're a little worried that you might get them to buy something maybe, or you'll want them to do something that will make them uncomfortable. I'm not sure. Maybe I shouldn't speculate, but I think that that statistic is, is that statistic is extremely telling. And I think we saw it in play uh, on that grants committee and at city council, the current city council, the vote was yes. 73. Uh, yes. so there's at least three people there who don't automatically look at artists uh, and say, Oh God, get me away from them. No, I'm I'm wondering what all of us can do. And when I say all of us, I mean the community, you know, and I, I should confess, I, I am certainly a consumer of some of the productions that come out of the Peterborough arts community, uh, Theatre on King being one of them, uh, you know, the Reframe, et cetera, First Friday Art Crawl. So what can all of us do to ensure stable funding and, there, and thereby improve the long-term health of the community? Well, you know, the- community? The stable part of what you just said is is interesting. You know, we, we've set a precedent for funding. You know, we've been doing that for years now. But all of a sudden, we have a current council that is asking questions about that. And and what, what we need to do is is really lobby with our our politicians 
to uh, get them to to pull them around. And the stability thing is one of the the problems with the current system. The, the community grants committee met this year that gave this result uh, where, where they took away all of the Theater and King's funding did not uh, ascribe to the notion that community grants are there for stability. They threw right. that idea out the window. Uh, they they were thinking that these community grants could simply come and go. You know, you get 15000 one year, nothing next, next year. It's not a big deal, the current um, assessment system is saying. And that has not been true until until n- n- nobody's been running this community grant system that way. And the the powers that be, the the people running it, have to realize that. And we ha- and, and this is why we want to move move the whole system away from 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 the way it's being done now, which is through this this volunteer committee of of community members and and lumped in with all the all the other sectors and run, frankly, professionally by the Electricity Culture Council. If it was doing that on a professional right. basis, then you have some stability. You know, I I want to mention something that, that we haven't talked about much, but when the current counselors say, are, are saying that, you know, a commitment of, of multi-years is, is not a, a necessary thing. They're, they actually said in, in, in the most, in the recent council meeting where, where the Theodore King's appeal was denied, that a, a lot of them were not in favor of re- of repeating grants to groups that, that they should be sunsetted, that, you know, that they should only be around for a few years, three years. And there, there's a, like, in fact, one of them would have said, what about the new groups? Like, how can we bring new groups in if you're always giving the money to the same old groups all the time? Well, that's simply not reality in Peterborough. There are not thousands of new groups coming along all the time. I don't, um, it's Sue Diddy here. I think that the argument council members were making was a purely ideological one. They actually don't think they were thinking about new groups knocking at the door. They are ideologically opposed to sustained funding. They have an ideological perspective which says these organizations can and should become self-sustaining. And I have spoken to some of the councillors that put forward that idea. And what I had to say was that doesn't happen anywhere in the Western world. And when you asked, uh, I think it was Mark Wallace, do big, important, internationally acclaimed theater companies with hundreds of thousands of dollars in box office and private sponsorships still get money from the federal, provincial and municipal levels of government? He said yes. yes. And so do all the big theater companies in Toronto. And he's absolutely right. Everywhere in the Western world where there are excellence in theater where the theater companies create new ideas new artists generate lots of uh, economic benefit and social benefit they have mixed revenue streams tax dollars from public funding private sector sponsors and donors and box office or uh, sales of other kinds That's the model that works. And we have to respect the fact that having run community investment and project grants for several years, Commissioner Daugherty at a certain point said, you know what, because the money isn't consistent and outstanding organizations can't plan their budgets, they can't contract artists ahead of time, they can't buy cheap deals when they see them, I'm going to bring in three-year multi-year funding. So you can Mm -hmm. meet with your colleagues, an amount of money is established, and you can count on that money for three years. Every three years, as Bill was saying, you have to come back in and compete again. And maybe there'll be a new group that's better than yours and knocks you out. Or maybe you won't have put on a great season or shown good management and your money might be dropped. But this idea, A, that you could ever be self-sustaining or B, that it's wrong for you to be able to think about what kind of money you're likely to get and plan is fallacious. It's ideological. And most importantly, it's not based on facts and evidence. And as a policymaker and an arts administrator, a citizen and a taxpayer, I want to see us developing programs and making decisions based on facts and evidence, not on personal opinion.
guess, you know, as you were talking to the example, I've already mentioned it once, but what would a visit to Stratford do for uh, for members of council, for the business community, to just hear what the Stratford Festival does for the community of Stratford in terms of, and as you said, Sue, of course, the, the Stratford Festival still gets grant money. Why wouldn't they? They're, they're an incredible uh, asset for that community in terms of attracting visitors, uh, tourism, uh, restaurants, etc. You know, that, that, that I want to speak up a little bit about that, though, because it's, true, true, it's, it's not true. that I don't value Stratford. Of course, I do. But I also think it's really important that like smaller organizations, that yes. are experimental work is important. And I think sometimes people who aren't familiar with the arts themselves, for whatever reason, they look to the big festivals or they look to the big players and they're like, well, if you're not that, then then why would why should public funding go to you? And, you know, yeah, I, I welcome questions like that. And I would just say that if you look at any natural system, any ecosystem, you need to have innovation. You need to have outliers. You need yes. to have a place where uh, the people involved in the system can experiment and maybe fail. And and that's the theater on King. You, you sort of identified us as a maybe a farm team. I think that there's that. But I, I also feel we actually what we do best is provide a space for quite established artists to experiment I think yes. that's one of the yes. most important things that we do. And that's not work that's going to ever be appealing to a large swath of audience. It's not going to be appealing to a city councilor or, or a business person who isn't already interested in the arts. I would love to think we could sway them over. But I don't think we should only look to Stratford for models um, of mm-hmm. arts that deserve support. I think we do need to look to our smaller, weirder for the help of the ecosystem and the community as a whole. I think what Kate's saying is so important, and it it brings up a couple of other points for me. Uh, A theater like TTOK, for me, like art space, like public energy, part of what they do is similar to what they call pure research in the sciences, in physics and chemistry and biology, where the government funds are um academics and scholars to do open-ended research that they might not be testing the final stages of a drug that's going to cure cancer but they're doing all the advanced research that leads to that drug and i think one of the things that worries me about how council and even city staff think about the community investment grants is that it's so disconnected They're not understanding that what happens at the theater on King creates the content that goes into the market hall or that goes into show place or artists that might go on to other bigger ones. But if we don't have that catalytic generator and one of the things that makes our city attractive to people on the outside It's not that it's a farm team. It's that you can see cutting edge experimental film theater here or films or dance that you would normally only expect to see in a big, big city. This is like a unique feature of Peterborough and it attracts a lot of people, but there is a disconnect. And in the, in the larger Canadian world of the arts, there's been a lot of work done talking about this. It's very sexy to give money to great big festivals like Nuit Blanche or uh, I forget what the Illuminato. And at a certain point, artists put up their hands and say, yes, but you haven't increased the funding for years to the people who actually generate the content and to the smaller organizations that give them a place to develop their ideas. It's, It's as Bill said, it's an ecosystem. If you start pulling pieces out of it, it's just like nature's ecosystem. Things start to collapse. Right. Now, in Peterborough, we're blessed with so many arts organizations and venues, like the Reframe Film Festival, the First Friday Art Crawl, uh, Peterborough Folk Festival, Spark Photo uh, Festival, Art Space, TTOK, of course, New Stages, Market Hall, Showplace, Art Gallery Peterborough, and so many more. I've heard arts people raise the point that what can the community do to support these places? And of course, one of the obvious things is to go out, buy a ticket, go see a play, go see a gallery, go listen to some music. In other words, to get out into it. It's not by living here and ignoring those facilities and saying, oh, well, it's small town theater. Why go? You know, I'll save 
I'll save a trip. I'll, I'll save my time for for going to Toronto or going to Stratford. I mean, to, to Kate's point, we miss out on a lot of the experimental, new, and every bit as inspiring work that's going on locally. Yeah, so, sure. Yeah, people should come out. Absolutely, come out as much as you can. A lot of there are a lot of people um, also donating funds who can't and don't get out, which is fantastic. We we all need that. And as I said before, if you're a big supporter of what's going on here, tell the politicians, tell, you know, call or write to your city councillors. That is, and to city staff as well, of course, but, but that's going to make the big difference going forward is more voices being heard at the, um, among among councillors and and the mayor the mayor i think is on is a supporter as as well and which is a great thing he was absent during that 7-3 vote unfortunately and and another you know one of the things that is did not show up on the chat gpt score was accessibility which okay. you know a reason for for government support of the arts is that it makes it accessible to a broad range of people, people who cannot otherwise afford like in peterborough as as we were saying we we see a lot of art a lot of international art activities come through here that the local citizenry can benefit from. And that is largely due to government support, you know, and making it possible for us to make things affordable and, and give free tickets. That's what public energy does a lot with, with the, with its government money is keep ticket prices down to a, almost a pay what you can level. We've, we've been doing that a lot lately, which has been working out because the people who can only pay $5 are helped out by the people who pay $25. But again, if we didn't have any government support, that would be thrown out the window. Peter and King, we always have a pay-what-you-can option, unless it's an outside yeah. booking, and then they get to set their own ticket policies. But if it's a Theater on King show, we always have pay-what-you-can. And because it's important, and we we are in a, in a you know, there's a lot of poverty in Peterborough. <laughs> oh, my God, you know, so uh, we're part of this community. We want to we want to give back as much as we can. And as Ryan always says, he said, not having money should not be a reason why you can't see art. And if the full cost of we're talking about theater on King, but it would apply to any arts group. If the full cost of mounting, staging and performing these productions was reflected in the emission price. I mean, the emission prices would be two, three, four times what they are now. It would be inaccessible. It I mean, would other, be inaccessible. Exactly. The other issue I'll bring up just swiftly, that is a theater on King uh, specific issue is because we haven't been able until the last, you know, not last year, obviously, but the year before and the year before that we had fairly high levels of municipal support. Before that we had very low levels. We had, we're talking about $2,000, $5,000. And we never knew year to year if we were going to get it. And as I said, because we're more experimental, it always felt like a square peg round hole. So we weren't able to go to provincial and federal levels of funding to get operational funding. We weren't able to do that. So one of the barriers that Ryan and I keep coming up with over and over again is that we can't pay our artists enough to ask them to commit. So it's very hard for us to build something. Something like Fourth Line Theater, where artists are able to hang in there and they know they, they, they're they going to have that summer gig or they hope they will. They're going to audition, you know, and so many of our younger friends do that. And I'm really glad they can. And I wish we could do something similar. And to do that, we would need support from these other levels of government and, and, and more support from the private sector as well. And we haven't been able to get that because we haven't been able to show the municipal support. So that's another thing that happened, you know, with with us being cut is we had a big plan in place for this year to actually really go in uh, and dig in and really see where we can diversify our operating funding and mm-hmm. we got thrown right back into an emergency situation. So the municipal support is extremely important on so many levels. Yeah, you know, one topic that has sort of been in the foreground a bit, but certainly in the background of what we've been discussing uh, the last uh, half hour or so is the politics behind it. In other words, what needs to happen so that decision makers get the message that we subsidize the fossil fuel industry in Canada, we subsidize a number of industries in Canada, we subsidize nuclear energy in Canada, etc., etc., to get over this hump that subsidizing the arts is somehow money thrown away when, uh, as we were saying, uh, it's precisely the opposite. It's an investment. I think you've got to get the decision-making out from in front of council. That's what arm's length, when Sue talks about arm's length, that's what arts councils are. They're arms, they, arm's length from the government from the uh, elected representative so that there is accountability. It is a competitive process, but it isn't in the end something that counselors and, and random community members decide on. There's, these are people who understand the arts 
and and so that you don't have counselors who I mean we watched them at the theater on King Appeal. They were snowed under by letters of support, and they basically decided to ignore them. And they said things like, well, it felt like it came from a template, was a quote that I heard a bunch of times from counselors. They just chose to ignore it because it didn't fit their ideological worldview. They right. didn't fit what they wanted to hear. The, the people from outside town ward, our town ward counselors, of, you know, they're actually in support of the arts. And one of them is a working artist. But, you know, the other counselors just chose to ignore the evidence, which is that a huge number of citizens across Peterborough wanted this weird little theater to keep going, including a huge number of people who don't even come to the theater because they like the idea of living in a community that has something like that, a experimental little black box theater. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I'm talking about. We have to get it out from in front of those individuals who are just going to be opinion. They, they have opinions that are based on a lack of information and ideology. And instead, it needs to be run to the gold standard, as Sue was explaining earlier. Now, what about the connection to the local business community? I mean, obviously, they downtown at least benefits from an active arts community. What is the leverage possible there? In other words, where are they and could they be stronger allies? Well, they were, they were very strong allies during this. Yeah, they were hugely strong. But the downtown business community stepped up in a huge way. I just don't think it's fair or realistic to to expect to get our operating funding from emergency fundraisers year after year. I, I couldn't bear it personally. I, I'm just going to say that I can't bear it. I can't bear asking people for that level of, of money direct out of their pockets. They're, they're part of the mix, fair. but they can't carry the load and they never have and nowhere in the world do, do they. Yes, yes. And where they have in history, as Kate was saying, who gets to see art you know, we're going back to pre-industrial times when kings and queens funded art, artists produced art that kings and queens or the church wanted to see and only they could see it. And then laterally, the very wealthy in the United States primarily funded the art. So we saw only art that they wanted to see and only they could afford to see it. And after the Second World War, that really changed when democratic countries wanted to do a number of things. They wanted to make art more accessible. They wanted various viewpoints to be heard. It became a fundamental pillar of a democratic culture to provide public support so there could be unfettered ideas and creation from artists that were always challenging us always trying to tell the stories that the rich or the church or that corporate funders might not be as interested in. It's a fundamental pillar of a democratic culture to provide public support for the arts. And if we want to take care of taxpayers' money, then we do it in a certain way. We make it arm's length, a step away from government, and we make peers so that people that know what's going on and are experts are making the decisions and for the organizations that perform very well and are, are going to keep producing very well are going to be assessed in a competitive environment and given sustained funding on a three-year cycle. That's just hard evidence that that's what's worked. That's what works. And ideologically, its foundation is democracy. You can't really go wrong with that. Yeah, you're making an argument that the arts that a healthy arts is as important to a society as roads and bridges and, and hospitals and schools and, and schools. I and certainly believe that. I and certainly that's, and, and, and that's something that I think, well, as, as Kate was saying earlier, you know, Canadians seem to be a little reluctant to embrace. Yes. Just this current well, council. Well, the council, yeah, would, the council here, because like you look at say, you know, Quebec, yeah. you know, Montreal say has a very healthy arts community. I don't think you'll find a single person from St. John's, Newfoundland, where I'm from, who would say, oh, the arts, shag the arts. Why would we even support them? I mean, tourism was not a thing when I was growing up in Newfoundland. Very few tourists came. Now the place is maggoty with tourists, St. John's, and they're <laughs> not there for the weather. They are there because of the arts and culture. That is why, that is 100% why people go to visit. And the landscape, you get some definite, you get like adventure tourism as yeah. well, but it's, it's the uh, culture. The odd iceberg. I mean, yes, people are fond of an iceberg <laughs> and, and a hike. But yes, the Ontario Arts Council's research and statistics, Canada's research shows that somewhere between 70 and 79 percent of Ontarians believe that government should invest in the arts. This is just you can't dispute it. 
What we're facing is some counselors who are ideologically opposed to it in principle and who say that when they're knocking on doors at election time, people are not asking for the arts. No, so and they're not. Have That's a, true. And that people may very true. well be true. So if you have a counselor who is opposed, it's really important that you knock on their door and tell them that investment in the arts matters to you. And, yeah. you know, I don't, I think it's just extraordinary that business people like Paul Hickey took the time out to come to city council and speak to them about it. I think it's extraordinary that the director of the downtown pres- business improvement area did the same. Like, that's a huge vote of confidence from business people. You know, the examiner frequently talks about not-for-profit organizations and how they're exemplary in terms of their management and how they take care of their money and their volunteers and their staff and get a bigger bang for the buck. Probably don't have kitty cats. I think there's something, too, that odd that happens in front of council, and this is something a former councillor said to me. He said, oh, watch, He said, there's no way you guys are going to win this appeal because we're talking about $15,000 and they always dig their heels in when it's a small amount of money. If it's $5.2 million, they'll spend it without blinking an eye. But if it's a small amount of money, the heels get dug in and the lines get drawn in the sand. And, you know, I was interested in that comment from that former councillor. And, you know, if you observe council meetings uh, on other topics, uh, you'll see that that's often the case. So that's yes. another reason to, to, to put arts funding in the hands of a professional arts council that is uh, that that we're really lucky to have here in Peterborough now and had to fight hard to get it. OK, now we're, we're sort of winding down here, but I just wondered in terms of specific actions, what can individual artists do? What can individual citizens do? Consumers, people who attend arts events or people who would like to, what can people do to improve this this funding situation, not only in specific instances as we've been discussing with TTLK, but arts funding in general, what can we do? We've talked about lobbying uh, counselors. We've talked about attending. We've talked about attending, (laughs) talked about donating. Uh, What else can can be done so that maybe in not not so long, uh, you know, Peterborough might have a a stable arts community and generate the interests and indeed the tourism that comes from that. Well, I think one thing, you know, the next time there's an election, whether it's municipal, provincial, federal, ask anybody who's coming to your door or or or, or go to the meetings and ask, what is your uh, position on arts and, cult- and culture? It used right. to be when I was growing up, every party, including the conservatives, would talk about arts and culture as an important thing to invest in. And now it's all it's like they, you wouldn't touch that with a 10 foot pole. No, no politician or party. Yes. None of them, none of them talk about their arts and culture policies and platforms. They, It's like the kiss of death. They won't touch it. What happened? Why did we as Canadians think that was important at some point and now it's not? And I think one thing we can do is stop dying of politeness. This is what we're doing in the arts and culture sector. We're dying of politeness. I, of course, I want people who are unhoused to be housed. We have an incredibly large homeless problem here. Of course, I'm not going to say, oh, I'm, my work as an artist is more important than somebody living, surviving. At the same time, Let's get real about how that stuff is all related and the fact that there's been a real strong drift away from politics and politicians actually acknowledging the importance of the arts and that that's a huge problem and that we need to see that the move away that the, the, the world woke up when fascism was doing well and fascism is doing well again and democratic institutions are under attack all over the world. So maybe we better look at why it is that everyone's afraid to have an arts and culture platform when they're running for office. Wonderful. The theater on King, our, the sort of core crew there, there's a small number of us. Oh, I'm going to start crying. We're so grateful for the support that Sue gave from EC3. Bill at Public Energy was working hard on our appeal, even though in the end, of course, it wasn't, it was uh, revealed to be sort of a sham that we were led into, sort of forced into doing. But it, the support we got from, from public energy, from EC3, uh, uh, was so important. And then the community, individuals and business owners and so many people who, as I said, I didn't even know who they were, wanted that little theater to keep going. Yeah. So we have a lot of gratitude. Yeah. That's and, wonderful. And we're going to keep going. Yeah. And we're going to find a way to keep going. And we're not going to keep going to people doing an emergency fundraiser because it's unbearable. But we, you know, it's just not fair to anybody. But uh, the, the, I can't express gratitude enough. Bill, I think my final comment is in response 
to your question, what can people do? And so everything that Kate said is essential. But let's make it a topic of conversation with our friends and neighbors. I mean, we had a good weather day. I got out there right before the budget consultation meetings and talked to people on my street. People on my street, there's a retired nurse, there's an HR specialist, there's a guy who sells industrial flooring, all kinds of different people who work retail on my street. They're all big supporters of the arts. They go to arts events, but they don't connect it to political action. It isn't natural to them to bring it up with um, a politician when they knock at the door. Unless we put pressure on them, they don't write a letter to the editor, but they're devastated when they know that funding is going to be reduced, cut off, not sustained, that there are problems with the way it's assessed. There are art supporters in every ward in this city. So if you support the arts, get out, talk to your friends and neighbors and ask them to get the message to city council. I can, I can tell you that the next public budget meeting is May 31st. There's a, uh, it's uh, listed on the city's website uh, as a, as the next time that the budget's going to come forward. So people could go out to that and express their support for arts funding in the city budget. That's wonderful. Yeah. May 31st. That's what it says here. May 31st. It says um, that, yeah, May 31st. Okay. draft budget guidelines, a um, public meeting on draft budget guidelines, mm-hmm. May 31st. Doesn't and you know, Sylvia Sutherland, I think, said it very well in her recent uh, column in Peterborough this week, where she asked councillors to take the earplugs out of their ears. Yes, that was uh, that was very well done. It really was. Yeah, I must say, I fired off a message to her right away, thanking her for it. She criticized the theater on King, you know, but we deserved what she said. And in a sense, you know, knowing what I know now, which was that there hasn't been oversight on the community granting programs at all. <laughs> but it was a fantastic article. It was in the Examiner as well. Yes, mm. yes, no, and and to support to support allies. After all, politics exists, and, and that's important. Sue, Bill, and Kate, thanks so much for joining in on this panel discussion. This has been our 120th episode of Pints and Politics. You can find this discussion uploaded at pintsandpolitics.ptbopodcaster.ca. In addition to the podcast, uh, Pints and Politics is also an occasional radio broadcast, Trent Radio 92.7 FM. We post on Twitter at Bill Temp and on our Facebook page, Pints and Politics Podcast. We're also on iTunes, Stitcher, and my Substack site. Until next time, this is Bill Templeman. 